This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlise Silver-Sweeney. Maya Angelou and Oprah Winfrey. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. And of course, Luke Skywalker and Yoda. Can you guess the subject of this episode? We're here to talk all things mentorship. Having someone to bounce ideas off of, ask confidential questions, and share the ins and outs of a firm or workplace can be hugely beneficial to your career. But how do you find that sort of relationship? And then how do you nourish it? Our guest today has some excellent insights into the mentor-mentee relationship. Andrea Raymond is a former labor lawyer. She's currently the director of professional development at Clark Wilson. She coaches lawyers on leadership skills and building connections. She's a certified executive coach and works with lawyers at all levels. Andrea, thanks for being here with us today. That's a pleasure. I think some of us, me included, have a very romantic notion about this idea of mentorship. And when I hear the word mentor, I actually see Harry Potter sitting in Professor Albus Dumbledore's office, and they're talking about his parents who passed away and magic and his schoolwork. And this probably isn't what we're meaning when we talk about mentorship in the legal realm. In your three-part video series on mentorship that's part of the Canadian Bar Association's Solution Series for Law Students, you do a really nice job of dispelling some of these romantic, idealized notions of mentorship and these types of relationships. What does mentorship actually mean? That's a great question because mentoring really can mean anything you want it to mean. And that's part of the problem. It gets used uh, a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. And and often it has those expectations attached to it, the kind that you described, you know, with Professor, Professor Dumbledore or Yoda or... I don't know. There's so many examples from literature and from culture. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that um, I think in my experience... Most people who who are lucky enough to have one of those relationships or two of those relationships or, geez, maybe even three in a lifetime, really probably only spot them after the fact. They look back on a period of their life and say, wow, that person just played such a key role for me, really took me under their wing. But I don't think that kind of relationship is necessarily something you can chase. It happens like a great love or a deep friendship. You know, it just happens. And so for me, I often try to reassure people by talking about mentoring as kind of behaviors on a spectrum. And I know spectrums are very in fashion these days, but, you know, when you think about it, you know, mentoring is really just somebody who's agreed for a moment or a month or some years to really take an interest in you as a person. And the, the moment that feels really good with that um, mentoring figure is that sense that they are interested in you as a person, not as a student they want to hire or um, 
a lawyer they want to develop for their own reasons, but really they care about you and your progress. And, you know, the spectrum of behaviors really goes from meeting somebody who gives you a great piece of advice at a networking event to that kind of Dumbledore yoga figure or yoga figure, (laughs) although, hey, it could be a yogi or, um, you know, all kinds of behaviors along that spectrum. So from a five minute conversation or a couple of coffees or, uh, somebody who's just prepared to give you some advice at, at work or at school about a particular issue or at a particularly difficult time in your life. I mean, I would argue all of those are mentoring behaviors. Yeah. And, you know, when 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 you look at the literature about mentoring, which is something it's my job to do, there are these incredible lists of the kinds of things, the kinds of behaviors that mentors can demonstrate. And everything from, you know, being an advocate to a champion, to a friend, to an advisor, to a sounding board, to a, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that they do. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's really interesting, just the idea of someone giving you a really good piece of advice at a networking event. That's an act of mentorship. They might not be a lifelong mentor, but I think the idea of dispelling this need to find someone who's going to just really guide every aspect of our life, I think that is helpful for students who are maybe overwhelmed at this idea of having to go out and find a mentor and well you know and it's I think it's um I think it might resonate I hope it resonates with law students in today um I really hesitate to wade into the millennial conversation and I think most people in there um most young people are so are as tired of talking about it as I am Yet, um, I think one thing I notice with lawyers and law students in their 20s now, people are really good. People are incredibly resourceful, and they're good at asking for help, and they're Mm. good at connecting dots. And so I want to encourage people to reach out for help um, wherever wherever it's going, if you know what I mean. So the same way that... I don't think anybody expects to have the same job for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Gee, it's lucky if you're able to do it and you're not a you know Supreme Court judge. Um, then by the same token, you're not you're not getting your help from the same source mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Yeah. So trying to find a broad array of people to reach out to if possible. Yeah. That actually leads me to my next question. And so there are some really excellent formal programs for mentorship, particularly in some of the larger law firms and the Canadian Bar Association has a mentorship program. But what about for students who aren't a part of either of those entities or aren't able to find their mentors in a more formal way? How can you go about looking for these types of relationships? Yeah, well, the first thing I guess I would say is if you, you know, if you haven't really had that experience, let's say at university of really connecting with somebody more senior to you as a professor or somewhere else, and you really want to kind of learn how to work with somebody, it is worth exploring, you know, worth seeing whether there is a program anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, this, as you say, the CBA has them, the Women Lawyers Forum. There's lots of places where you can get connected with a mentor. And I always think of programs as a really great place to learn kind of mm-hmm. how to do it because mm-hmm. you've got help and support to do it. But if you're not in that position, I think it's really about figuring out what you need, first of all. It's it's always the issue, isn't it? I do a lot of coaching of law students and lawyers. And 
I think the hard part is figuring out what you need right now. Is it that you need someone to hold your hand a little bit through a transition from law school to um to employment? Is it that you're new to Vancouver? Whatever it is that you need, whether it's skills or knowledge or connections or confidence, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, once you understand what what your next move is, or or you really just feel you need someone to help you figure out what the next move is, then you know who you're looking for. Mm. Um, And you can start telling people what you're looking for. And this is where I think our current generation of future leaders is really good at saying, hey, you know, I'd really like to meet someone who also went to Osgood or went to Bond, or I'd like to meet someone who did make the decision to go to a boutique firm instead of a large firm. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk to somebody who has managed to... um, yeah, thrive in the world of a global law firm, because I'm not sure if that's my jam, but there's so many opportunities. Once you start putting that need out there, mm-hmm. help, in my experience, help will come. Okay, so being explicit and asking for what you need. Absolutely, yeah. Well, do you think there's a privilege component to mentorship? So what about somebody who's starting law school this year and comes from a family where there are no lawyers and doesn't have a network where there are any lawyers in their family? How can, is that person able to access help in the same way and find mentors in the same oh, way? Oh, I love that question. Um, you know, because I'm someone who came from, I was a first generation lawyer in my family and I came Me from too. a small town on the Sunshine Coast. Oh, nice. So I get that. And again, I, I, I often think the place to start there would be, I'm being really practical here, would mm-hmm. be resources at school okay. or potentially joining um, CBA sections as a as a articling student member. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, there are some really terrific, there's a social justice subsection in the, the Women's Legal Forum, and there's mm-hmm. lots of places you can go and just kind of hang out mm-hmm. with lawyers and get to know them. And um, I, I don't think you should let it dissuade you. In fact, you know, you're entitled to connect with the profession mm-hmm. and Uh, You know, as you've just said, people are so happy to help. And um, especially if they get the sense that somebody needs um, a little bit of that boost. Mm -hmm. They don't have a calling card of, um, you know, 12 lawyers that their parents know to to call. And to be fair, I think that reality is, uh, I guess that reality is always going to be there. But I, you know, meet an awful lot of people like us Mm -hmm. who did not come from hyper-privileged backgrounds. So don't be discouraged. Okay. Mm. On that note, do you think it's better to seek out a mentor that comes from a similar background? Or is it better to find somebody who's a completely diverse background from you? Oh, another great question. You know, I think it, I really think it depends on you. And I'm always going to default to saying, let's have some of both, please, right? You know, I mean, for people from, you know, who uh, are experiencing life as a racialized student or lawyer, I I think it is obviously going to be helpful to find someone who can speak to that experience. Mm -hmm. We're all such bloody polite Canadians, and it can be hard to find, I think it can be hard sometimes to find a white um, straight lawyer who's really able to talk about some of the issues you might want to talk about mm-hmm. um, if you're from a marginalized group. And mm-hmm. so it's worth finding someone to connect with. By the same token, I am a big fan of connecting with all kinds of different people. And frankly, you know, if you if you want to understand what it looks like to 
move up a traditional ladder in a law firm, you want to talk to all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are all fighting our need for affinity. So there have been generations and um, centuries of privileged white men seeking Mm -hmm. out other privileged white men to um, nurture and mentor, sometimes with the very best of intentions. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, obviously we want to break through that a little bit, but we do have this natural affinity. And I think you've got to listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're needing some comfort and connection, if you're needing to feel affirmed as a lawyer, then find someone who can offer that to you. It can be intimidating as a law student to ask a busy professional for help. So you mentioned that the next generation is quite good at this. But what about somebody who feels a little bit uncomfortable? What are the best tips for asking for what you need in a really respectful way and in a way that you'll get the response that you want? Well, I come back to this idea of knowing what you want. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you ask for specific help, it's easy to say yes. I'd really like to know what um, what junior lawyers in IP are working on in Vancouver. I'd really like to know uh, what progress looks like at a global firm for somebody at the, such a junior level as me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know how you manage to do it as a uh, Chinese-born woman, and here you are, a partner at this firm. What was your journey. Mm-hmm. So a very specific ask okay. just makes it so easy to connect. Mm-hmm. And I think too, uh, as a practical matter, not asking for too much time. So okay. half an hour, I think is a great amount of time to ask for, but you know, an extended lunch or coffee, maybe let them offer that. Okay. So the first ask should be really specific and you should limit yourself to, can I buy you coffee for 30 minutes? Yeah, it's a first date, right? Okay. So, and it may be a really great first date and mm-hmm. that and you may never see them again. So, just being prepared to enjoy that conversation for what it is and not not load it up. I mean, it's hard not to talk about you know, personal relationships when you talk about professional relationships, but mm-hmm. don't load it up with expectations. Yeah, you you never know who you're going to connect with. And just logistically, is it better to reach out over email? Is it better to have someone put you in touch if you have a common connection? Should you cold call? What do you think works best communication-wise? All of that, although I guess instinctively uh, most of us don't enjoy getting a cold telephone call, I think. I'm just, I don't know what you think, but that's that's the one, yeah, that's one call that may not be welcome. So if it's truly cold, maybe an email is better so the person can process it and decide whether they want to give to you some time. Mm, okay. And then once you have that relationship established, if it goes beyond just one coffee or one meeting, is there anything we can do etiquette wise to come across as professional as possible and to also maximize our time with that person? I think so. I mean, gratitude is really important. And again, we're human beings. And so if I, um, you know, if I give someone the gift of a half an hour, an hour, um, I'm a lawyer coach. So lots of people ask me for help um, officially and unofficially it's awfully nice to have them say um, in some way, thank you for the time. This is what it meant to me. And, um, you know, this is uh, what I'm going to do as a result of what we talked about. Of course, it's gratifying. You feel like your time has been respected. So 
it sounds like a small thing, but it's probably important to not not go over the top. But when somebody gives that gift, um, offering something, a thank you that's appropriate. So, you know, a 15 minute to half an hour coffee, um, you know, an email to say thank you very much. Something longer or uh, that involved a, an offer of an introduction, maybe a handwritten note because I'm old school that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, old school is new school again, right? Right. Um, nothing more elaborate than that, though. Yeah. Yeah. In your web video, I laughed a little because you were talking about extreme gratitude or coming across as too thankful. What? Can you give us an example yeah. of, what, of what not to do? Well, you know, some people will send flowers or do dramatic things. I had a men. I had a mentee who actually went to Harvard Law. Um, not due to me. So super talented, switched mm-hmm. on person. Every time we met, she showed up with a gift, Mm. like a lovely gift, um, wrapped like a hostess gift. Mm -hmm. And even it was really lovely and I think was a cultural thing for her. Mm. So I never really broached it, but I, it was too much. Mm -hmm. It felt strange. Okay. And that I I think in most cases, a, a, you know, an elaborate gift or gesture like that is too much. Now, person scores you a job or a great interview or helps to really set you on a new path, absolutely acknowledge it with a, a splashy gesture if you if you feel that's appropriate. But yeah, it's it's it, you don't want to go overboard. Okay. So default is some type of communication, either digital or handwritten, that includes an action item or something that you've taken away out of the relationship and conversation. Yeah, I think just like a good thank you note at mm-hmm. Christmas time or, you know, at your birthday, it's thank you for the thank you for the gift and here's what it meant to me, you know? Yeah. Mentoring etiquette. I'm like the Emily Post here. You are. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about mentorship in the 21st century. So we've talked a little bit about the millennial generation uh, and generation I believe. I think so. Coming up, yes. I think so. Do you think there's such a thing as a digital mentorship? Does mentorship need to be face-to-face? I really don't. And part of that is in the last couple of years since I've become, I've started coaching a lot more one-on-one. And a lot of my coaching relationships have been with, have been by telephone and, or by Skype. Um, And I find them, they can be just as intimate as face-to-face relationships in a way. There's something about that kind of conversation. So I certainly think uh, speaking to one another can be um, can be very fruitful. Um, are you talking about something more than that? Like emailing well, back and forth? Yeah, or? any type of meeting that isn't face-to-face. So do you think we can have and establish a strong mentorship relationship over email or over text message or Snapchat, oh Lord. <laughs> Instagram. I'm 50 now, so I'm going to say no. I don't think you can have a deep and meaningful um, connection by text. Uh, but, you know, that's me. You can scoff at that. But I, I definitely think that telephone, Skype, all those kinds of things are a terrific way to connect if that's what it means. And certainly, I know CBA has often tries to connect people in that way for lawyers who are in more remote areas. I live on Bowen Island. Half the people I who live around me are working and communicating in relationships, you know, remotely. So I, I don't think there's any problem with doing that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So digital, but we should try and have that voice to voice, at least relationship, not just 
through text in any way. I think so. I mean, really what what you're, you know, I mean, obviously some people will continue to connect by email or tech through text, but you need to have a relationship first. Mm-hmm. So in my experience, when you get a call from someone, there is a I, I'm going to speak on behalf of all the mentors who would never say this. Okay. Um, there's this feeling like, oh, good Lord, I, I don't know. I can't take someone on. Um, I may not be able to take them on in the way they'd like to be taken on. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of lovely, ambitious students who are secretly or not so secretly hoping that this mentor might connect them to a job or a great opportunity or might clear paths for them that they'd never imagined. There's kind of this, you know, um, Hollywood movie version of mentoring, this one person that will open everything um, for you. And so I think a lot of mentors feel pressure that way. So when you agree to talk to somebody, there's almost a little bit of hesitation. And um, I'll often say to people, that's why I guess I do say, if somebody offers to give you a half an hour, an hour, accept it, that is the gift. Mm. And um, when you say, do you think there's a job at your firm? Or do you can you, you know, or do you know anybody else I should talk to? Or can you introduce me to that powerful person that I know, you know, you know, I think a little part of the mentor dies. So right. it's really you know, that gift of time and introductions and power is, it's really up to the mentor to offer that. Okay. So don't ask for anything really other than that person's insights and guidance. Yeah. And I, I may be old fashioned in saying that, but you know, we're all so, we're all busy and we're all burdened. And frankly, I think until you know somebody really well, it's pretty hard to, um, you have to really develop a, a, a trusting and, and well-established relationship mm-hmm. before you move into those kinds of um, favors. Mm-hmm. Well, by the same token, you might meet someone and they're happy to, you know, give you access to their, all the jewels in the land and that's great, but you can't, you could never expect it. How does confidentiality work with mentorship? Is there any type of code? Yeah, I think, you know, every mentoring program I've designed or, talked about most people assume confidentiality and I think confidentiality is important it's particularly important when you're inside an organization and that might not be so relevant to your listeners but um, I've just I've been reinvigorating a pro our program at Clark Wilson and um, confidentiality is really important and what mentors worry about is somebody's going to tell me they're not happy somebody's going to tell me they're thinking of leaving uh, somebody's going to tell me they're pregnant but they don't want anyone to know for a couple of months those kinds of issues do come up all the time and it's great that they do it shows that you have a level of trust but um, mentors can feel really compromised by that because they want to um, they want to be able to tell other people and try and address those issues, or they just feel conflicted. So the normal rule in formal programs is, look, let's just agree that everything we talk about is confidential unless um, the law or professional responsibility rules require us to disclose it, or we've agreed that um, that the mentor or mentee will disclose it. And that's often what happens. So you've told me that your um, you've told me that you're, you've got a couple of job offers on the table and um, you're, you don't quite know what to do and you want to talk about it. There might be a moment when we agree, look, I really, I really want to go and talk to my partners and see if we can 
you know, fashion a way for you to stay here. And, you know, of course, you're going to agree to that. When you're out in the wider world, I think it is worth talking about confidentiality. Look, lawyers dig it. They, you know, (laughs) they they are one, you know, they're one of many professions where that's a normal thing to talk about. And, um, but as a practical matter, I guess you yourself, before you disclose something really important or that you want to keep private, you you have to make your own judgment call. And it might be worth saying to the mentor, I, I, you know, I'd like to share something confidential with you about um, what's happening in my practice area or my aspirations. Um, are you OK with that? And, you know, but it's always going to be a judgment call. I think that's really helpful for a law student too, who isn't clear how to navigate these relationships. And it might be one of their first professional relationships too. So knowing the etiquette surrounding it, again, the Emily Post mentorship, but (laughs) yeah, just also communication strategies generally. To be honest, when I, when I work with younger lawyers, it's pretty easy to get them to think of who are the people, if you really had to kind of map out, there's always colored pens and paper when I'm around. If you really were going to map out who your people are, core people who could help guide you, um, most people have a pretty strong sense of who that is. It might be a close friend and a parent and somebody from, um, you know, their church or community, a professor, um, a, a lawyer they know, whatever. People can, people have a really strong sense of who's their guide. And so for me, this whole mentoring thing is about just gently expanding that. We always need Um, people in our professional life and our personal life who have our best interest at heart. How lucky are we to be mentored by Andrea? Mentorship is such an important part of building your professional career. Thank you to all of my mentors who have spent their very precious professional time on me. I'd love to hear from you about significant mentors in your life. Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at SS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Blanchet. Andrea's entire mentoring series for law students on creative approaches for hopeful mentees can be found on cba.org slash studentsolutions. She has lots more advice on communication and etiquette when it comes to mentorship, so you should definitely check it out. Thanks for listening. Thank you.